0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of the week again. Throw on that Kirkland Signature Crew Neck (laughs) Premium Cotton Sweatshirt and go ahead and put on a fresh layer of Winter Candy Apple 24-Hour Moisture Ultra Shea Body Cream. It is time for (laughs) the popular vote with Melissa and James. Melissa, how are you doing today?
1: It's a beautiful day in Joe Biden's America. How are you doing?
0: You know, I honestly, I felt like on Inauguration Day, I felt like, collectively, America was just like, we did it, Joe. Oh, We
1: yes. did it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we made it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I saw a lot of tweets from people saying, um, you know, I checked out Joe Biden's angry tweet at 2 a.m. Oh, just kidding. That didn't happen because <laughs> we have a real president in the White House.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. Funny, funny, funny. Yeah, it's been, it's definitely been a week. And what's crazy is like, I wonder, like, in another week, like, I wonder if the Trump administration will feel like 20 years ago. I think it will. I hope so. (laughs) Right? (laughs) But anyways, so I know this week has been busy, but you have definitely made some time to watch some things on TV and streaming, and you watched Bling Empire on Netflix, and I want to hear about it because I was actually scrolling last night and I like thought about clicking it. I didn't, but I thought about it. So please tell me about Bling Empire.
1: Uh, well, first of all, I do highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. It's a reality series that I would say it's it's like a mix of... Real Housewives and Selling Sunset. It's, it's that kind of reality show where it's kind of lifestyle porn with a lot of fancy houses, nice cars, nice fashion. Um, and it follows uh, a large handful of very uh, affluent Asians in California. Um, and they come from a variety of different backgrounds um, and they have real money. I think that's mm. the that's the biggest difference between this show and like Real Housewives. Like some of these people are like billionaires, close to being billionaires, mm-hmm. right? So their their level of money is just completely different than some particular people on Real Housewives <laughs> who are truly just struggling to get by and mm. just and just try and keep up the the visuals of them being wealthy. Um, there's some petty drama. Um, there's some really entertaining characters. Uh, My favorite person on the show is Anna Shea, who um, made her many, many millions because her father owned a company that, I'm I'm kind of wrong on this, but like manufactured like guns or something. And then they eventually sold to some other large company. I don't really know. Um, But she is just the level of unbothered I strive to be I don't know what mood stabilizer Anna Shea is on but I want it um <laughs> so I highly recommend the show it's very entertaining um 10 out of 10
0: oh okay um have you seen and I asked this only because when I was scrolling last night I didn't click it because I felt like I had seen a comparable show have you seen how it's called House of Ho on um, I have
1: I have not, but I've seen the trailer for it because it's on HBO Max, Yeah, it's on HBO yeah.
0: Max. And yeah. I was like, I was like, this looks similar to um, House of Ho, but House of Ho is like a family. These people are not families. This is more like a Shaws of Sunset. Like, they're just like
1: right. friends. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. all right. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to make time for it.
1: Yeah, and uh, it's, yeah, like I said, the best part of the show is just how much money these people have. Like, in, in one of the episodes um one of the women r- like rinse out and completely shuts down rodeo drive to celebrate chinese new year like that's the level of money these people have so i mean it's a little tone deaf to release that uh, series as <laughs> a lot of people are falling on hard economic times during the pandemic and seeing this group of rich asians um you know blowing their money on random things it's a little tone deaf but it is an escape that's for sure
0: well wow. You know, honestly, (laughs) that's what we all need right now, an escape.
1: (laughs) So what have you been watching?
0: So I watched this past week. So I have been a fan of this show for a long time, um, Search Party. It initially, the first two seasons aired on TBS. I bought them off of iTunes because I have no (laughs) idea where to watch TBS shows. Um, It's very funny. It has like the comic John Early and then like a lot of like people who you know, but you don't know their names. Mm -hmm. But it's very funny. Basically, the first season is about these four millennials that live in New York city that are trying to find this um, girl that went to college, they went to college with, but none of them really knew her, but they went to college Mm -hmm. with her. And none of them really remember her. But then one of the girls like in her mind thinks that she had like a deeper connection to her than she really did. And basically (laughs) like they go on this search for this girl at the end of the season, Mm -hmm. someone dies. I won't say what happens, but someone dies. And then the second season is all about basically them covering up this murder. And it's a dark comedy, the whole show. And then the third season is basically like the courtroom drama of them like mm. trying to get out of, you know, you know, being convicted for this murder. And now the fourth season, and I'm just going to say this, and um, I think anyone who really likes um, TV shows that have like a long story arc like this, like, did you watch Weeds, Melissa?
1: I did. Yes. Okay.
0: I really liked the first two, three seasons of Weeds. But there comes a time where storylines get really crazy. Like I feel like in the writers' rooms of these TV shows, sometimes you're like, "We've done that, we've done that, we've done that. Let's do something different." And mm-hmm. like when Weeds went to Mexico, it stopped being as funny to me. <laughs> yeah, like it just wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't as much fun. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a little bit of what's going on here with the, the the current season because now, like now, one of the four millennials that's like super tone deaf and stupid is now like captured, kidnapped like it's just mm. not as fun like anymore like it's still funny like there're still moments that are absolutely hysterical the cast is great the writing is good but it's just not as satisfying in a way mm. so i still recommend watching the show if you haven't seen the first two seasons they're absolutely fantastic and the third season's really good too but the fourth season i'm just like i don't know we'll see where it's going i'm like 6 or 7 episodes into it and i think there's only a few left to to drop it's on HBO Max now, so you don't have to worry about, you know, adding TBS to your cable subscription. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I do recommend it, it's very funny. Um, but like I said, it's kind of like, and I'm sure there's other shows that you can think of too, Melissa, that like they just get like in a really weird place
1: yeah, and it's usually around that like fourth season yeah. mark, where, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like the writers want to switch it up, but they go a little too far.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. um, the only other show that I can think about that I've like just stopped watching on the fourth season is what was the one that had what was the ABC show Scandal? I think it was called Scandal with Carrie Washington. Did you watch that?
1: I did not because I don't like the way carrie Wa- Washington moves her mouth when she talks, and I find it very <laughs> distracting. <laughs>
0: Well, I liked the first like season of the show, and then it just got really weird, and I was like, okay, I'm out. Like, I can't follow this anymore. I'm very confused. I don't know what's going on, and I just quit. And I have a very low threshold for shows that stop making sense.
1: <laughs> uh, yes, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's yeah.
0: like season four of Lost.
1: Oh my gosh, that show.
0: (laughs) I actually started off loving that show. And now I officially am like, whenever anyone talks about it, I'm like, oh, fuck that show.
1: Yeah, it's one of those shows I invested so much time (laughs) into. And after the finale, I just threw my hands up in the air and said, this was a waste of my time.
0: (laughs) I will say this, that second season of that show is absolutely phenomenal.
1: I, yeah, I mean, the first couple seasons, I was so into it. Yeah, And then I just want, oh man, those writers really betrayed all of the viewers.
0: (laughs) I don't even want to go there. Anyways, let's talk about happier times. Before we even go to the inauguration, I think it's important that we pay a little homage to the real star of the inauguration, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders.
1: (laughs) (laughs) These memes have truly... Just, I'm not, I, I will never get tired of the Bernie sitting in his chair with his mittens meme. I'm so into those. Right. Um. He, I think he was the real star of the inauguration. And I just want to remind our listeners that Bernie Sanders has always been a straight up G. He is always just, I mean, he's always been a fashion icon, let's be honest. <laughs> but he's always kind of had this attitude of like, I don't really give a fuck. I only care about the things that are really gonna improve people's lives. I've always been a fan of Bernie Sanders. And, you know, I would even go as far as saying that Bernie is like the Subaru of politicians, right?
0: Goes the distance.
1: He goes, oh, I wasn't gonna go there with my metaphor, but I love that. (laughs) You know, the, the style is always a little wacky the Subaru styling is always a little weird, a little too eccentric, but 15 years later, fanboys just go crazy for it. And that is Bernie Sanders in a nutshell. A classic. Yes. Timeless. Yes. <laughs> and I am so excited that he's going to be the Senate Budget Committee Chair. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that is going to help um, the progressive agenda kind of move forward, especially with healthcare and infrastructure spending. So I I just I loved his performance at the inauguration. I love Bernie Sanders in general. And I a lot of people are saying that he should have been president, but lest we forget, politicians can make a huge impact on platform and policy, even if they aren't in the White House. And I think Bernie's gonna do that this year for sure.
0: Yeah. And I'll I'll tell you what, I think that um that what he did at the inauguration was performance art that we deserved and that yes. we needed.
1: Yes. I agree. I have seen a ton of um I and I hope this actually happens in Chicago. I'm in a lot of Facebook groups, neighborhood Facebook groups, and people have like photoshopped Bernie Sanders in his chair as um like their strategy for dibs this winter. Oh, big deal in Chicago. Yeah, for those that aren't familiar in Chicago, when it snows, especially a lot, people will shovel out their cars that are parked on the street, and then those people feel entitled to that same street parking spot, and they will put like a chair or something in the parking spot so no one else parks there. And people are joking they're going to get a life-size cardboard cutout of Bernie in his chair and use that (laughs) as their like... Reservation chair, which and I would a love. Big to deal
0: see. in Chicago.
1: It, you know, it is. I mean, not so much in my neighborhood because there's a lot of garages and newer construction and just general mm-hmm. yuppies who have other places to park. But in other neighborhoods, oh my gosh, you take someone's parking spot, you're gonna get keyed.
0: i'm laughing but that's 100 true and i 100 believe that yeah oh gosh so let's move on to really i mean i mean yes bernie was the most important part of the day but Mm -hmm. there were some other things that happened i would like to talk i'm gonna start off with i'm not even gonna talk about joe Biden. i want to start off with talking about j-lo j-lo's america the beautiful or whatever she's saying specifically let's get loud yes (laughs) I mean, J Lo is not a singer. Let's be real. No, no. I don't really know why they asked her, other than they wanted a famous Latinx performer. Am mm-hmm. I right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like J-Lo is like universally harmless. Everyone loves J-Lo. Non-problematic. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> she's not a singer, so I don't really know why. I don't really know why they chose her other than for for demographic reasons.
1: I mean, she also has a new line of skincare and I'm shocked that she didn't work in, in the song, change the lyrics a little bit to say just again, to just reconfirm that she's never had Botox and she has a new line of skincare coming out. I, I didn't catch that in the lyrics, but, um, that's another reason why she probably performed. She's got something to sell.
0: Yeah. I will say, I thought she did a good job. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was as good as it was going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did love that she threw in a let's get loud and the, was it the pledge of a pledge of allegiance in Spanish?
1: I think so. Yes. <laughs> I whatever. It was I, fine. Lady, Yeah. I mean, lady, I was here for lady Gaga, not so much JLo. And I think lady Gaga did an amazing job. So
0: I did too. J- and I, what did you think about lady Gaga's, um, costume?
1: Um, serving up hunger games, realness. Yeah. That bird. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think she did an awesome job. And, you know, she was her usual Lady Gaga weirdness, but not not too... She didn't wear a meat dress to the inauguration. You know? <laughs> At least she didn't do that.
0: It would have been, like, an impossible meat dress, though, don't you think? Oh, like-
1: absolutely. Yes. Yes.
0: The meat dress. <laughs> I, like... When I think about Lady Gaga fashion choices from over the years, the meat dress ranks supreme, but uh-huh. then number two ranks that, like, Kermit the Frog dress. Do you know what I'm oh, talking about? My
1: yes. <laughs> <The
0: Muppet dress. laughs>
1: oh, my gosh. Yes. The Muppet
0: dress. Oh, my gosh. So, who, I mean, obviously a lot of people were complimentary of Michelle Obama's, like, kind of like a jumpsuit, almost. hmm mm-hmm. I, I thought she looked good. Ready. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think of what else kind of happened, because obviously, like, to me, like, JLo, Lady Gaga, Michelle Obama. Um, I thought, I mean, I don't know. Did you watch any of the other festivities? I did not watch the fireworks show that night.
1: I didn't, uh, yeah, I didn't watch anything else that night. Um, Mm -hmm. The other thing I want to bring up about the inauguration, and this person is my legend of the week. So I'm not going to go too into detail, but Garth Mm -hmm. Brooks. Garth Brooks and his jeans and his excitement and his hugs (laughs) without a mask. He was just so happy to be there.
0: Yeah, he, you know what? I have said this for a long time. I think that Gar- well, I think I'm 99% sure Garth Brooks is a Democrat actually. I think he's his political contra like his political donation history is one and I know his wife, Trisha Yearwood, has been a strong supporter of Planned Parenthood over the years. And they mm-hmm. live like outside of Nashville, which I think like I can imagine that that's got to be interesting for them to live in such a red state, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: um no, I I think Garth Brooks did a good job too. Yeah. I so, agree. yeah. Um, so moving on. Oh, so obviously we didn't, we didn't really talk about the whole reason of the inauguration, which was to bring in Joe and Kamala (laughs) into the executive branch. (laughs) So they were inaugurated. It's great. We're all moving forward. I think, I think, I was just so happy that that chapter was closing that mm-hmm. I almost was like, it was like lost on me that like, oh, we're going to get like executive actions to actually start helping people again. <laughs> right. right. Mm-hmm. So they had their first like weekly lunch this week. And Melissa, what do you think they talked about?
1: You know, we know that Joe Biden loves ice cream. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling most of what they talked about was just Joe explaining to Kamala all the amazing ice cream flavors that she can get from the White House kitchen, and he just began, like, ranking his, his top to bottom. <laughs> I think they've been through a lot, so I think it was just kind of a, a friendly conversation. I don't know how in-depth they went in that lunch meeting. And, but I will say this. I'm guessing what they had for lunch was something better than a Big Mac and a Diet Coke.
0: (laughs) Oh, the Diet Coke button is gone on the (laughs) Oval Office phone. Did you hear about that?
1: No, I didn't.
0: So there was literally there was a red button that the president would push and someone would bring like a Diet Coke and like a glass and like a um not a wine glass, but you know, like a like a what is like a stemmed glass. And they would have like ice in it with like a can of Diet Coke or whatever. And they'd bring it out like whenever Trump would push the button. And that button has been removed off the phone.
1: I am not here to hate on people that have an addiction to Diet Coke. But that is disgusting.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, look, I love a good Diet Coke. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> However, I think that that's kind of ridiculous. That's like up there with, I think it was like President um, Johnson had like a Fresca machine in the White House, which like that's disgusting. That's absolutely yes. vile, as far as I'm yes, concerned. Yes, it
1: <laughs> is. And
0: maybe like that's how we'll look back on this in like twenty years. You know what I mean? Like, uh, he had a Diet Coke machine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, what do you think they talked about during their first weekly lunch?
0: Um, I have no idea, other than maybe he. You know what? Joe Biden is a master of the Senate, so maybe yes. he gave her like some presiding officer tips some just like general Senate 101 tips, even though she's been in the Senate for four years. I mean, four years compared to what? He was in the Senate for like 40 years. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I think they probably maybe talked about some of the performances, some of the fireworks maybe. Um, I, you know, I I don't know other than that. I mean.
1: (laughs) I, you know, the thing I love about their weekly lunches is, is back when Biden accepted the VP uh, position, one of his conditions from Obama was that he wanted to have lunch every single week with Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I like that he's continuing that now that he's president, um, and he wants the same relationship with Kamala, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how I'm reading into it. So I like that they're doing that. I don't know how other VP president relationships have gone. But it seems like he does want her heavily involved, right? And and someone to kind of weigh in and give him some guidance. And same thing with the other way around. So I'm excited about this administration because it seems like everyone gets along and everyone's supportive and everyone is just excited to get things done.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that um, so far, it seems like the cabinets, the cabinet is, you know, there's, I mean, now they're starting to confirm people, (laughs) finally, (laughs) but they've confirmed, I think, the Director of National Intelligence, Avril Haines, they confirmed uh, Lloyd Austin, who's going to be Secretary of Defense first Black Secretary of Defense. Um, And I think Janet Yellen for Secretary of Energy, she has some serious um, big dick energy. But um, I think she's like slated to get confirmed Monday or Tuesday. Um, I did listen to a little bit of um, Mayor Pete's um, confirmation. Uh-huh. I will be honest with you. I I like Mayor Pete when he goes on Fox News, but mm-hmm. I I just don't like him, I think, as a politician. I find him to be so like, I don't know. I just find him to be such a phony, I guess. I don't know. I think he is like very like, I don't know. I, I find him to be incredibly inauthentic. I know I'm like being like, I mean, like, it's fine. But like, what I find so inauthentic about him is that like, they're asking these questions about, you know, confirmation for department of transportation. And I don't think like, I feel like he is trying to hype this, this cabinet role as something more than it is because like, let's be real, the department of transportation, you're dealing with basically trucking regulations and um, like FAA stuff. Like that's Mm -hmm. your bread and butter. It's like safety issues. You know what I mean? And so you're dealing with like truckers and pilots And he was sitting there and they were asking him questions about like infrastructure and stuff, which isn't really, I mean, it is kind of, but not really. And they were asking him about stuff about like gas tax and stuff. And they were asking him all these like policy questions that really have nothing to do with his job, but he was happy to to act like it wasn't his purview. I don't know, I just find him a phony. I don't really like him, but he's gonna get confirmed, whatever. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, his performance is on Fox News. That's the real value. Right. That's Mayor the value
0: added to the administration.
1: <laughs> um, and speaking of that hearing, Amy Klobuchar has been all over the place lately. I mean, all over the inauguration. And I'm just like, what? I mean, I don't, I don't, strongly dislike amy i'm just shocked that she has been all over my tv this week (laughs) any thoughts on that
0: um i did think it was funny that she acted like she liked um mayor Pete during the confirmation she was like i can't wait to have you know dinner with my husband and your husband and i'm like i'm like amy you don't have to pretend that you like pete anymore like we know you don't like we saw we saw the debate (laughs) where you literally were like are you calling me dumb (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I don't think they're going to like be dinner friends, right?
1: No, absolutely not <laughs> if, they, if they were, she would give Pete a comb to eat his salad with right like... <laughs> I
0: like Amy. I like Amy more than I like Amy more than Pete, but I don't like the way that Amy, I think treats her staff. I will say that,
1: yeah, i I like Amy. She's very competent. Right. She's not very inspirational, so I'm always shocked when they choose her to give a speech, mm-hmm. like at the inauguration or where wherever. Because I'm like, she just ain't it. Keep her in the Senate, right? Mm-hmm. Keep her in hearings and whatnot. But I I don't walk away from her speeches feeling any emotion other than
0: okay. St- after-
1: Right, like people like Cory Booker. I mean, there are just more people that are way more impassioned. That I think that we need to do a better job of really heightening their um, profile. Not so much Amy Klobuchar.
0: And speaking of gay politicians, Cory Booker um, was—he was there at the uh, allegedly. He was there at the uh, the inauguration with his um, girlfriend slash beard Rosario Dawson.
1: I all allegedly right, but what? Do, what's your confidence level in that rumor being true?
0: Oh, I I think Cory Booker is gay. This is this is just my allegation. This is an opinion. Oh. This is not fact. Do not sue me. But I think that I think that Cory Booker is gay. I think that Cory Booker made a calculation that a black gay man could not run for president. I think he made a political calculation. That's my oh. personal opinion. And I think he thought I will get with Rosario Dawson because she's also progressive. You know what I mean. Oh. <clears throat> And I don't like Cory Booker because Cory Booker is very pro ed reform was like buddy buddy with Betsy DeVos prior to the administration. And anyways, I think that he was trying to, I think that he was trying to basically like basically be a gay man in private, but then be the straight man in public. And I think that he got mad when Pete's stock took off as a gay man running for president because he's Mm -hmm. thinking, well, why, why am I not, you know, catching fire and Pete is, he was just mayor of South Bend and you know in Pete's defense being authentic about that one part of you because i think that's the only authentic part about Pete um i think caught fire with the public in a way that Cory Booker who i think is a phony and people see it but that's my opinion i'm 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 a hater on today's podcast <laughs>
1: <laughs> i really like Cory Booker and all i have to say is i just hope that he lives his authentic life <laughs>
0: With Rosario Dawson. <laughs> Who I've always thought like her eyes, like, I don't know. I think she looks kind of weird, but she's pretty.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: uh, so pivoting from a really a, you know, once every four years moment, we're going to talk about a, I don't know, once every month moment. There was a welfare check on Claudia Conway. Oh, <laughs> she's acting out on, tw- on Twitter and TikTok again. And she's 15, 16, and she, I guess, and this is all alleged because we're only seeing these snippets of the TikToks or whatever, but, like, of her, like, mom, I guess maybe maybe physically, like, pushing her or I don't know. Did you see the video?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely maybe allegedly some emotional abuse for sure, Mm -hmm. maybe some physical abuse as well. I mean, this has been going on for such a long time. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure... Yeah, it's it's a sad situation and I don't know what else to say about it other than I would like to resend my request of keeping up with the Conways cuz I think <laughs> that maybe some privacy for them to get their act together as a family is needed. But what are your thoughts on this?
0: Um, I think it's incredibly sad. I will say this, if <laughs> I would not want my 15-year-old self to be on TikTok fighting with my parents like in hindsight, do you know what I mean? Like no matter how like funny it is to the outside world, like think about like her in like 15 years, like she's going to be mortified by this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even though I did love that she did the, um, there was this voiceover of her being like, of Claudia dancing to Joe Biden is my president and F Donald Trump. And like Kellyanne's in the background and she just just gets up and walks off camera. But like (laughs) Claudia looks like she's about to like drop it. Like it's hot in front of her mom. Like literally starts like dancing to Joe Biden is my president. And like Kellyanne just looks so mad.
1: (laughs) Uh, And Kellyanne seems to be somewhat unfazed by this. She was on Bill Maher last week Mm -hmm. defending Trump still. She was defending um, him, but yet she was also
0: like saying, "Like, well, I was the first to acknowledge that the election was over to Trump," uh, which I don't know if is, I believe.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I believe that either. And also, she's still playing both sides, and that still mm. makes her <laughs> complicit and a loser. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. That's, I mean, you, that's. Yeah. How
1: do you think this will play out? Do you think it's going to be like? two more years of this until she turns 18 and then she's out on her own. How do you think this will end?
0: Um, I don't know, but I, I'm curious. Maybe I'll, you know, we're going to do a Instagram poll this week. Who's getting divorced first, George and Kellyanne or the Donald and Melania? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's honestly, it's a race to the courthouse at this point.
1: <laughs> I, um, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to influence anyone's responses on that poll. So I'm not going to say anything. We can we can discuss it next week.
0: Perfect. Well, pivoting to um, the Donald and Melania. So I watched. It was like at eight or nine a.m. Um, so Donald Trump left D.C. the morning of the inauguration, and he held like almost like a little mini rally. At, I think it was St. Andrews Air Force Base. So he took like Marine one, the helicopter from the white house grounds over to St. Andrews. And then he got an air force one to get to Florida at St. Andrews, but he had like a little mini rally. And of course there were only, I think a couple hundred people there, like that were not like, that were just like general audience type people, you know? Mm-hmm. And of course, like they were crammed in this like gated area together and none of them were wearing masks. So I'm sure it'll be a super spreader event. Are any of us surprised? No. No.
1: Um,
0: But I listened to what he said. It was like this little five, 10 minute speech. It was really short. And then, and here's the thing. He has this whole military orchestra there. They do like a, like a 21 gun salute, all that crap, whatever. That's fine. Like, I get it. Like live your, live your fantasy girl, like your president for a few more hours, whatever. But what I found so weird is that you have the, you know, U S military band there. And something that a lot of people don't know is that a lot of these members of the band enlisted and officers in the band, you know, a lot of them have four year music degrees. So they're Mm. incredibly accomplished, talented musicians, you know, playing, you know, you know, all your orchestra band instruments, you know, that I could never play and they can play anything. I mean, literally they are amazing, you know, because think about it. It's one of the few careers in music that you can do full time and make a full-time wage and you get to travel the world and you play for these vips it's very cool in my opinion and so he has this full band orchestra there and rather than play have them play this incredible music as trump is leaving the stage and walking onto air force one turns around all of this whole time from the time that he finishes his speech to the time that he gets on air force one ymca by the village people oh. is playing and it's not the band playing it it's a cd or a cassette
1: Okay. Why is he using that song at every single possible opportunity? I don't what, know. What does that song have to do with anything related to his presidency, first of all? It doesn't. Second of all, it's the village people who, correct me if I'm wrong, interesting that he wants to associate, <laughs> given his policies, right, with given the village how people. They are. Right. I. Uh, and also how insulting to the band that is there.
0: Yeah, they've asked him not to play the song, but they don't control the licensing. It's some other, you oh. know, like some other um, licensing company has the rights or whatever. So they pay the licensing fee. But I just don't, I don't understand it. I think it's very strange, but he literally, like think about it. Like, you know, when you see Nixon get on Marine One and you see, okay. you know, when you see those iconic, you know, moments of the inauguration day. And and to me, the most iconic when I go back through my Rolodex of memories of inauguration days, you know, seeing Dick Cheney wheeled out of the White House, you know, oh, in 2008, goodness. to me, that's like, that's the Peace de resistance because the idea of him looking like the penguin in Batman and getting mm-hmm. wheeled out by Lynn Cheney, you know, kicking mm-hmm. and screaming. But, anyways, you know, you have all these memories in the history books when they talk about, you know, the 2020 inauguration and Donald Trump saying goodbye. I hope they don't cut the audio or do an overlay of the audio. Play YMCA, make him look a fool.
1: <laughs> I just, oh my gosh. I, so I only saw like clips of that event mm-hmm. and I, they, they did not report on the soundtrack that was being used. So this is new information to me and I am just, you know, like everything in the Trump administration, I'm surprised. And yet I'm not surprised at all. Mm. I'm just really disappointed.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. So Trump has decamped down to mar lago for the time being. Mm-hmm. Um, he's technically not supposed to live more than 21 days there a year, but who follows rules, right? Rules are for losers, I guess. <laughs> so he's in Mar-a-Lago He's thinking apparently about starting a Patriot party or his own political party, MACA party. What do you think about this?
1: I say go for it.
0: Mm-hmm. Right I on, sister. Go for
1: it. it is, I mean, why not just, yeah. I mean, the, the Republican Party being split into the Republican Party and the Patriot Party, I'm all for it. I'm so all where, for
0: it. Where can I donate? <laughs>
1: right. Um, and yeah, it's an interesting name. Um, I, I saw a comment on Twitter saying that the Patriot Party actually, um, which has its own Wikipedia page, uh, was an American socialist organization in the late 1960s and early 1970s that organized poor rural whites in the Appalachian South and Pacific Northwest. So it's just very interesting that we're trying to repurpose this political party that has already existed and their platform was probably the complete opposite of what Trump would want to do.
0: yeah here's here's the thing that and I was talking to a I was talking to a Republican source of mine oh and who is a Republican who I am not going to name them. they're they they will remain anonymous, but they're a Republican source and they worked in the Trump White House. And I asked him and I texted him, we'll talk offline, Melissa, for our Patreon content users, you know, we'll, we'll share this. But I was talking to him. I said, Well, what do you think about this? He goes, Well, here's the thing. He goes, obviously I don't support it because my friend is a Republican and he doesn't want to split the party. Yeah. But he's like, here's the thing, like, Trump has pretty much taken over the Republican Party. So I don't understand like if this is just gonna be like maybe they're just gonna like completely rebrand the Republican Party, you know, like take the existing Republican Party and turn it into the party of Trump, which I think is equally toxic. Yeah. Um, because, again, they just lost a major election along with two Senate seats in Georgia. Okay. <laughs> so clearly his brand is not universally beloved. Um, so or a separate party. But he says he says it's weird because, like, why would you want a separate party when, let's be real, the Republican Party is loyal to you? Yeah. So I I don't know. anyways. Anyways.
1: Yeah, I um I don't know what's going to happen there. We'll see how things play out with Trump in the next couple months. Like I kind of hope he just goes away and moves on. Um I don't think that's going to happen, but uh yeah, I I don't know. I hope that this ultimately helps Democrats, but I I don't know how people will fall in line. I do hope that the Patriot Party does become a thing and we just shorten it to the P Party, which I'm just very <laughs> upset that we never got that P tape from um Russia. So yeah. this is the next best, best thing just to call his party the P Party.
0: <laughs> oh gosh, that's funny. Oh. <laughs> so You know, and since we closed the chapter on the Trump administration, which was something that was good to close this week, we did also, um, we wanna have a little tribute section to someone who, you know, we closed as well this week, who's uh, Larry King, who um, is an icon from CNN, um, Mm -hmm. is iconic. Amazing interviews with, I mean, like world leaders, you know, like would do, would everyone from Paris Hilton, and nope, Paris Hilton is not a world leader, but I mean, mean... (laughs) maybe, what if she was like, what if like this whole time Paris Hilton was actually working for like the CIA? Like, how like crazy would that be?
1: I would believe it. Yeah, I would.
0: Um, From like Paris Hilton, Margaret Thatcher, French President Jacques Chirac. I mean, he interviewed everyone. Great interviewer. Sounded like a stand-up guy based on some yeah. of the blind items and stuff that were posted on Dumois this past week. Um, so, what do you think?
1: I mean, RIP. He's someone I have a lot of respect for. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know a lot about Larry King personally, but mm-hmm. I do know that he was a great interviewer, um, and he did live a really long life. Mm-hmm. Um, he had sex symbol. Fashion icon and set symbol, <laughs> much like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah, what do you um what are your thoughts about this?
0: Well, you know, in our in our little pre-show meeting for our listeners, um you know, Melissa had mentioned specifically that it's really important that we talk about this for two reasons, one, to pay homage to Larry King, mm-hmm. um, but also so that we put him on our, gone but not forgotten list you know that we don't forget that he has passed away and that you know in a later episode we don't act <laughs> you we don't accidentally say something like you know well, where's larry king to do biden's hundred day interview where's larry king to interview doug emhoff you know um i mean we'll probably still do it but we want to at least you know properly market you know because normally we're <laughs> we're always like is that person alive is that person dead <laughs> it's very on so- brand
1: So noted, Larry King has passed away, Mm -hmm. RIP. If we forget this in a couple months, I will edit this segment into the episode in which we discuss whether or not we think he's still alive, just as a reminder that we already talked about this. Um, (laughs) But yeah, RIP to Larry King. Um, RIP. Definitely a true icon.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So with that, We're going to move to legends and losers for the week. And Melissa, I want to start with your legend for the week since we've already kind of touched on him. Now, is your legend Garth Brooks or Chris Gaines?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, both, honestly. (laughs) after seeing Garth at the inauguration and just seeing how happy he was in his little jeans and his, his cowboy hat, I, I went to his Wikipedia page and the reason he's my legend of the week is because I completely forgot that all of this happened in the nineties. And I just want to remind everyone about who Garth Brooks is and why he's a legend, not only this week, but he, he's just a legend in general. Mm-hmm. In 1999, Garth Brooks started a poorly named children's charity called Touch Them All Foundation.
0: <laughs> you know, the QAnon people had a field day with that shit.
1: Oh my gosh. In addition to that, also in 1999, he released an album. As dead alter ego, Aussie rock star named Chris Gaines, (laughs) whose fictional backstory was written by the guy who wrote the Die Hard script.
0: (laughs) I remember the whole Chris Gaines thing.
1: I cannot... I mean, what a time to be alive in 1999 with Garth Brooks. I remember that album cuz he had like jet black hair and mm-hmm. it was like straightened and mm-hmm. I mean, it he truly tried to transform into this alter ego and really run with it. And I remember at the time people didn't people thought it was weird, but it wasn't that weird. But thinking back on it now, that was really fucking weird, right? <laughs> yes.
0: Like yes, very weird. And I will just say this. No one no one will ever accuse Garth Brooks of not being committed. I mean, when he yes. made that decision, he went full. I mean, I remember thinking it was weird. And I remember thinking it was weird. And I still think it's weird. And it's really weird. And in context, like you said, it's really fucking weird. Yes.
1: <laughs> but we all just ran with it because in the 90s, everyone loved Garth Brooks. Mm-hmm. Like he, I mean, he's still a huge superstar. But mm-hmm. back then, he was massive. And so people were yeah. like, okay, yeah, we'll run with this. We'll see where this goes. <laughs> We trust Garth Brooks. And I don't um, correct
0: me if I'm wrong. I don't think the album was well received.
1: I don't think it was either. And that's why <laughs> that's why we haven't seen Chris Gaines since then. <clears throat> I, I mean, I would have loved to see Garth Brooks sing "Amazing Grace," but maybe Chris Gaines sing "Let's Get Loud" slash um, uh, whatever else J Lo.
0: <laughs> America the Beautiful. To- yeah, America yeah. the
1: Beautiful. I would have loved to see the two of them perform instead. But you know. It's okay that, that it didn't happen.
0: Yeah. So you have a legend and a loser this week. I actually just have a person this week because I don't, we have previously kind of stand her on this podcast. I feel like we've also previously kind of been like, eh, we're over you. And I don't really know what to do with her anymore. Um, there are aspects about this person that I really like. And there are aspects about this person that I'm like, oh, you're kind of problematic. And it's Dr. Deborah Burks. And, you know, I feel like, so she has an interview that dropped today on Face the Nation. It's like 30 minutes long. I was like halfway through it. It's very interesting because you learn all about, she talks about basically defending the things that she did um, because she's no longer part of the CDC, not CDC, the President's Coronavirus Task Force under the Biden administration. She talks about how she's like a career civil servant and like she's not a political person, but she kind of was thrust into this, you know, political role because ultimately every pandemic becomes political because there are policy choices that have to be made. Um, I don't know. I I haven't finished the interview yet. On one hand, she was kind of in a no win situation because, because ultimately the president was never going to have anything other than a positive sunny disposition, regardless of what the facts said. Mm-hmm. And for her to go on TV and contradict him, what's what's the benefit of that? Other than, I guess you could say it's a profile in political courage, you know? But the thing is this, is that, you know, she... Also, you know, when the comments about, like, defending the president about making the bleach, drinking bleach comment, you know, she kind of defended him on that once. And Nancy Pelosi was like, Dr. Brooks has no credibility. She defended him on, you know, drinking bleach, (laughs) which isn't exactly what was said. But she basically said, well, the president really wasn't saying that. He's just thinking out loud. But again, like, you're defending something that's pretty indefensible. I, you know, she's kind of in a no-win situation. Like, she was ultimately going to piss everyone off, you know. And... I don't know. I'm very interested in, you know, two, three years down the road, you know, hopefully we get this pandemic finally under control and we can look back and we can read about what happened, you know, fully behind the scenes and, you know, who the good guys and who the bad guys are. And I don't think that she'll be categorized as a good guy or a bad guy. I think she's just going to be categorized as one of the people who was trying to do the best they could in the situation that they were presented with. Um, but ultimately, anyone in the Trump, it, like this administration was was doomed to fail because Trump's ego wouldn't allow them to do what needed to be done. That's, that was, that's my take on it. But anyways, it, the interview is very interesting. I highly recommend it. Margaret Brennan does a great job. Um, it's like 30 minutes long. So it is, it is lengthy, but it's very interesting because I feel like we haven't heard an in-depth discussion about what was going on behind mm-hmm. the scenes, especially in the early months and how it started um, for quite some time.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that interpretation of Dr. Burks and her actions and how she'll be perceived Mm -hmm. moving forward. You know, in in business, there's a term called managing up, meaning your boss is going to manage you, but you also have to do some management of your boss, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to kind of understand the dynamic of that relationship. And I think Dr. Burks is doing her best to manage up um, so that she could get some of her stuff accomplished without pissing off Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I agree with your, uh, your thoughts there. And I will also add that Dr. Fauci seems to be the happiest he has ever been. <laughs> I don't know if you've caught that interview where he was mm. like in, in this administration, if you don't know the answer, you say, I don't know, rather than just make shit up. Um, and he seemed so happy. Um, so he's, yeah, I, I hope both of them have a, 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 a stronger voice, um, about mm-hmm. COVID and they don't yeah. hold back the facts. So,
0: yeah. 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 Yep. So with that, who is your loser of the week, Melissa?
1: You know, we talked about him last week. We've talked about him a lot on this podcast. <laughs> My loser this week is Madison Cawthorn.
0: Uh, the worst, the worst. Sorry. Go ahead. Go <laughs>
1: ahead he did a cnn interview uh and the anchor asked about election fraud and he said i think i would say the election was not fraudulent the constitution allowed for us to be able to push back as much as we could and i did that to the constitutional limits that i had at my disposal so now i would say that joseph r biden is our president this dude is such a fucking Kyle, like I just uh he's basically admitting that he really never thought there was fraud, but he knew he had some room to just make noise about it um and that's that's awful and you know generally, this guy has no absolutely no policy chops, no critical thinking skills, no ability to use basic logic, and yet he has the ability to make laws for this country or to just communicate with the masses um he sucks. He, he sucks. sucks.
0: He has no. Re- he also has no resume. So he has a real estate business that didn't turn a profit last year. That literally sold no homes, bought no homes, literally recorded no profit. That's public records. We know that. He also claimed that he was when he got in his car accident that um, that uh, disabled him. Um, he claimed that um, he was awaiting, you know, to go to the Naval Academy. Well, prior to the car accident, guess what? He'd already been rejected from the Naval Academy. Uh-huh. He had gotten a congressional appointment. Or a congressional recommendation, but they don't take all congressional recommendations. That's just like the first, that's like one of the steps in applying. Mm-hmm. Um, but he'd already gotten his rejection letter. So he claims that he was like almost a service member. Girl, you weren't. Please stop playing. You weren't. You were never, you know. And if he really wanted to serve, he still could have gone to college on ROTC or he could have, I mean, not after the car accident, you know what I mean? But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there are other things he could have done. He didn't. Um, and he ha- wasn't pursuing those at the time of the car accident to any public knowledge. Um, So I think he's a liar. There are several women we've talked about this before that have said they feel felt uncomfortable with him. Um, Mm -hmm. He's the worst. I can't stand him. And I can't believe that we have at least two more years of dealing with his crap in the public eye.
1: Yeah. And the difference between him and someone like Ted Cruz is like Ted Cruz is actually educated, Mm -hmm. right? Ted Cruz knows that knows that what he's saying is is completely BS, and he he's intelligent enough to know the impact that it has on the country and on his constitu- constituents, et cetera. Madison Cawthorn, like, dropped out of college. Like, he's an idiot. Mm-hmm. And not because he dropped out of college. That is just a contributing factor to him being an idiot. Um, and I, I just don't understand how he got elected. And he's I praised just Adolf
0: under- Hitler. He's literally praised yeah. Adolf Hitler on social media. He's had white supremacy iconography in his campaign. And and don't forget at the Capitol Hill rally or one of the rallies, he, at stop the steel rallies. He was like, I want you to violent. I, I want you to mildly threaten members of Congress. Mildly yeah. threaten them or whatever. He said something akin to that, you know. And it was just like, why are you? Like, why are you allowed to be you? Like, this is ridiculous.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would
0: I sleep with him? Maybe, but you know, probably not. (laughs) Probably not at this point. He's really turned me off.
1: (laughs) I would not sleep with him, but you know who I would maybe sleep with? Josh Hawley. But that is another. (laughs) That is a that is a Patreon exclusive episode. Really walk through the thinking there. This should be also an Instagram poll, but would you, would you sleep with Josh Um,
0: It would depend on the context of, it would depend on the context. Like it would depend on the circumstances. You know what I mean? Okay. So, so yes. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. That's my polite way of saying yes, but not saying yes. <laughs>
1: it would depend I mean, on the circumstance. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just, I, I mean, I think he's, I think he's pretty good looking, and also the fact that he is so comfortable just unleashing chaos in the Capitol. I'm pretty sure that means he's like a certified freak in bed, too. You know?
0: He's the army hammer of the U.S. Senate. <laughs> um, you, but you know, my heart has always been with Tom Cotton.
1: Uh, I know, I know, I know. I, that all
0: Arkansas drink of water.
1: <laughs> uh, Cory Booker, I have a huge crush on, which okay. is why I, I was, I was asking some probing questions about your thoughts on his, um, Preferences,
0: preferences. <laughs> oh, <laughs> gosh. Yeah. oh gosh, oh yeah. gosh. Well, as always, I can't think of a better way to end the episode than talking about who we find ho- who we find hot. So, um, <laughs> with that, everyone have an amazing week um, in Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's America. And with that, take care. Goodbye.
1: Bye.